You are now tuned to Priority One Subspace Frequencies. Brought to you by Sayulita.com. Sayulita, the galaxy's premier shore leave destination. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 136 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast, recorded on Thursday, July 18th, 2013, live on trekradio.net, and available for download on PriorityOnePodcast.com the following Monday. I'm Elijah. I'm Adrian. I'm James. And I'm Tony. Oh, that's right. Joining us this week for Priority One Podcast is community manager, Adrienne Grady. Thank you, and welcome back, Adrienne. Hi, thank you. Happy to be back. <laughs> Who are you? Oh. I don't know. I don't know anymore. Just don't know. <laughs> Listen, when Adrienne... I'm not here, I just, I lose all identification. I just sort of go back in my closet and power down until the next time you need me. <laughs> That's nice. not true at all, because every, because the reason that Facebook has blown up so much is because of Adrienne's awesome because of Adrienne. on finding amazing articles that you'll find on Facebook. That's her. That's all her and Twitter as well. Yeah, Twitter so... and Facebook. Yeah. And anywhere else I can pass the love. Like you guys should seriously hook up on some of the Facebook groups out there. There's some great stuff from cosplay to sci-fi, Star Trek. So yeah, yeah. I'm posting all over there too. All right. So what do we have this week, Tony? Well, this week we trek out how the classic Star Trek control panel can become a do-it-yourself project with some Arduino and Raspberry Pi. We mentioned last week that Adrian, James, and Elijah visited Cryptic Studios on Monday, July 15th, so we'll definitely be offering some highlights from the visit during this week's Stone News, along with some brief discussions of the latest news hitting Star Trek Online, including an STO podcast blog by our good friend Midnight Shadow 7 Part 2 of Terry Lynn's Captain's Log article and Legacy of Romulus Dev Blog number 32, The Improvements to the Carrier Command Interface. Featured this episode is our on-site interview with Star Trek Online's executive producer, Daniel Stahl. As always, we'll close the show by opening hailing frequencies and reviewing your incoming messages. Speaking of our trip to Cryptic, I want to take a moment and give a huge thanks to everyone at Cryptic Studios and Perfect World Entertainment for their kindness and hospitality. Our Rivera was a gracious host, and everyone welcomed us with arms wide. Captains, we are fast approaching the zero hour. Everyone who has followed or watched or has heard about our crowdfunding knows that the big deadline is one of the motivators in getting these projects funded. So... When this show goes live, July 22nd, we'll have three days left in the campaign to get the Bridge of the Enterprise D to Las Vegas for the 2013 Star Trek convention. We've been tweeted by Creation Entertainment thanks to the tireless efforts of Midnight Shadow 7 and his Stowe Podcast Twitter account. If you follow us on Twitter, and you should, please retweet like crazy. Links will be on our website, or you can visit our www.indiegogo.com page and search the word enterprise and guys this thing is incredible okay and 
Thomas the Cat is at Comic-Con right now, and I saw his tweets today. He went to the... They've got it at Comic-Con right now. That's where it's at. What they have made so far, the Enterprise vs. D, this project is at Comic-Con. And, and Thomas got pictures, and it's really, really cool. We want to get to Vegas so that we can get it in front of all the Star Trek fans so that the guy's trying to get people to raise enough money to, to do a museum. So that this thing will always be built for all of us to go visit and be there and take pictures and do all the cool things that you've always wanted to do on the Bridge of the Enterprise. So please, please tweet, tell, talk, do whatever you can, get the word out. We need to get this thing funded. Thank you. A big special thanks to everybody who's already contributed to the project, especially those who are retweeting. Thank you so much. One of the latest ones I saw was by our buddies over at Mission Log Podcast, so thank you. More visibility for the project gives us a better chance of hitting our goal. So uh, if you can't contribute monetarily, then retweet, share, anything you can. Make up an awesome post and put the link in there and say, please, 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 people, help us out. Thank you, thank you to all the people who have done that already and who continue to do that. And please join us in the amazing sharing of this great project. We want to remind you that Priority One Podcast offers more than just podcasts. We're always looking for more additions to the Priority One family, like the cosplay and convention tips from Kate, Robin, and Adrienne, who have a brand new video up on our website. And how about you? Join the team at PriorityOnePodcast.com as a guest blogger and share your opinions, reviews, and news with our audience. Send us a proposal to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com and we'll put you in touch with our literary editor, Bill List. Want to chat with the Priority One crew whilst in-game? Join our open chat channel. To do that, just type forward slash channel underscore join space Priority One in your chat box in-game. That's forward slash channel underscore join Priority One. Keep in mind that you don't have to become a member of the fleet to join the channel. It's just an open channel. Anybody can get on it. That way you guys can talk to us and uh, other fans of the show. As we mentioned earlier, you can listen to us live on trekradio.net every Thursday at 5.30 Pacific, 8.30 Eastern. You can chat live with us in-game, or you can visit trekradio.net and jump on their IRC chat client, which can be found under the community link. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> I'm going to have to send Tony to go mine some dilithium. You see, there's plenty of work to be done, and there's only one way that we can get that work done, and that's with some energy. And in order to do that energy, we need dilithium. So, Tony, get out of here! In all seriousness, though, Tony will be bowing out for this episode because tonight he'll be working on the awesome video that we have compiled together from our trip to Cryptic Studio. So, Tony, thank you very much for your hard work, and uh, sorry we got to miss you tonight, man. I'll miss you all too, Thank but everyone, uh, check out our YouTube channel. It'll be pretty much like a highlight reel, a quick shot of just all the cool stuff they saw in bits and pieces, and we'll put out longer video throughout the next week or two. Stand by for the highlight reel. Well, let's get ready to trek it out. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. This week's Trek It Out topic was brought to us by Ben in an article on CNET.com. Freelance writer Amanda Kuser reports on how a little ingenuity can go a long way. Several members of the USS Nokomis, a Twin City Trek club to which our very own CEO Elliot Tan was a former member, created their own TOS-style bridge consoles using modern Arduino, an open-source electronic prototyping platform, and Raspberry Pi, a computer no bigger than your wallet. Using tinted resin created in ice cube trays, the creators created their own TOS-style bridge lights. More than 150 of them. That's a lot. That's, that's really cool. According to the article, Arduino controls the lighting while Raspberry Pi is in charge of sound effects. 
So you flip a switch and you get sound effects. The bridge is even equipped with Spock's viewer. It even plays a short clip when you look into it. So Elliot, do you regret quitting the club yet? This is really cool. Maybe you should rejoin. It's not too late. I'm wondering, the article doesn't state where they're keeping it, though. So it's a Twin Cities Star Trek fan club. I don't know if they're a part of Starfleet International. Most of these clubs, as far as I know, they are. But it doesn't say where they're keeping it. Like, do they have a warehouse with this massive console there? Or is it in somebody's living room? I think they bring it with them whenever they go partying, like, to conventions and stuff. I mean, I heard that they put it in a hotel room and do that. So maybe that's what they still do. And then meanwhile, just stays in someone's garage. I don't know. That would be pretty unique. (laughs) We're out of beer. Helmsman said, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Captains, what do-it-yourself projects have you done that are Trek-related? Have you made your own costume? How about build a ship? Send in your DIY projects with your pictures to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com, and we'll share them with the rest of our audience. Discover something that you think the rest of our listeners would enjoy hearing about? Send them over to us via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Let's check out what happened in Stow News. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. All right, we're going to start off Stow News with a big shout-out to our friends over at the PvP Boot Camp for their latest guest blog on the official Star Trek Online website. Now, even though Sargon has stepped down, Dark Frontiers has stepped up to the plate, and I'm confident that the boot camp will live on stronger than ever. As a matter of fact, the next session of the PvP boot camp happened this last Saturday, July 20th. But if you missed it, be sure to keep your view screen set to www.pvpbootcamp.com. Dot squarespace.com. Now, Stowe may not be well recognized in the gaming community for its PvP, but as Dark Frontiers writes, PvP in Star Trek Online is what we choose to make of it. So, improve your skills and become the captain you've always wanted to be. Join the PvP bootcamp today. If you listen to this podcast, then you probably are a fan of Star Trek Online and the greater Star Trek franchise. And like you, we were once listeners too, and we continue to be diehard fans of all things Trek. But with a little hard work and elbow grease, we've turned our passion into something big. But we're not the only ones. In a very special guest blog, Midnight Shadow 7, the man behind the Stowe Podcast Twitter feed, has compiled an amazing article highlighting the tireless efforts of many of the Stowe-related podcasts. So Midnight Shadow has been a very good friend to Priority One and several other podcast organizations. With his help, many of us have reached audiences farther than we normally would. Thanks to him, we have an easy-to-access forum post listing all the Stowe and Trek-related podcasts out there, even audio plays. Head on over to Star Trek Online and check out his guest blog. And Captains, how did you hear about Priority One? How long have you been listening? Tell us about yourself in the comment section for the episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com or on the Stowe forums. We'd love to know. So, in the second part of her report on her visit to Cryptic, Terry Lynn, the ever-vivacious Terry Lynn. Mm -hmm. I miss Terry Lynn. I can't wait to get me some Terry Lynn hugs in Vegas. Terry Lynn highlights her interview with lead designer Al Captain Gecko Rivera in their discussion about DOFs. Al seems to want to simplify the entire system for players. For instance, when Al quizzed Terry Lynn about the function of the DOF system, she honestly couldn't answer, to which he replied, Exactly. According to Terry Lynn, he wants it to be easier for players to identify the types of assignments that are available to achieve more specific goals. Which makes sense, because the DOF system can be a little bit 
scattered at times. So I look forward to that. As somebody who doffs daily just to collect dilithium and scientific samples and particle samples and all, plus not to mention you can turn in the overages for uh, fleet marks, but it would yeah. be nice to have it a little more streamlined so that when I wanted to go after something specific, I could do that better. So I really look forward to that. Very much needed. In this recent update, a new UI element has been introduced for captains that fly carriers. It will display all hangar crafts currently active from the bay, as well as the following statistics. Number of active crafts, hit points, shields, and rank. Oh, that's right, rank. There are a total of five ranks, and each rank up will improve your craft's performance over time. Ranks are slowly gained based upon the time they spend in combat without dying. Reaching rank five requires a total of five minutes of active combat, with early ranks being more quickly achieved than those at the high end. Each time a hangar craft achieves the next rank, it instantly receives 25% whole HP heal, as well as gaining additional stat buffs that can be found in the Star Trek Online article on the website. But to balance things out, something had to give. As a result, you can expect about a 4% drop in your pet's outgoing damage. Now, we saw some of this UI in action over <laughs> while we hovered over Thomas the Cat's shoulders during the art department tour. What do you remember from it, James? Is this something that you might consider to roll a carrier? I don't roll carriers, but I have an Armitage. So, I mean, the controls are going to help, but it's different because now you got to remember only the largest carriers being the Dominion and uh, what's the other one? The ones that can like fly the bug ships, the bigger of the, the carrier pets, are going to have both the control sets. The other ones are only going to have the single control set, like the Armitage and the smaller hangar pet type things. It's definitely cool. So basically, they give us all the controls we've always wanted. They give us the display to know how many are out. They've streamlined the buttons, which is really nice, so that it's smart. So if all of a sudden you have six ships out and one blows up and you have five ships out and you hit the button, it's not going to pull the remaining two of a group of three, it's not going to pull them from combat and launch three new ones. Okay, It's only going to launch one new one. So it's smart now. It knows how many are out. It knows what's going on. You can recall damaged ones to heal them so that you can get them up because the longer you keep them alive, the more they go up in that star system and the more stars that they get, the more damage they're doing out there. So it gives you actually some incentive to actually try and pay attention and keep your pets alive while they're out there, your carrier pets. And I was watching Thomas run this thing pretty well with a, uh, he was using a Dominion carrier and he had his two bug ships out and he had six little guys. And uh, the damage they were doing was significant because he wasn't even firing the weapons of the carrier itself. He was letting the pets do all the damage. They were doing significant damage, and as they got up there in the stars more and more, I mean, it really becomes a real tool, you know, because a lot of times hangar pets, eh, they're useful a little bit, but not so much. Well, with this star system, I think you're going to find them being very useful as long as you put in the effort to keep them alive or heal them, which you can do. You can heal your pets out there to, to heal them too, or you can recall them to uh, repair the damage to keep them up. If nothing else, it gives everybody that tool that they've always wanted to just see how many pets are out there, what their condition is, to be able to relaunch more, and it does it smartly, like I said, without pulling ones from the field that are still good to go. I think everybody's going to be really, really happy with this. I, I see no downs to this at all. I really don't. I think everybody's going to be happy. It's really cool. I like it a lot. It's not going to make me want to play carriers more by a huge amount, but I definitely am more inspired to play my carriers more often with that. <laughs> Anything that helps us with regards to pets. All right. 
So as you guys know, we visited Cryptic Studios on Monday, July 15th. And so this is the episode that we've recorded since then. Now we're going to keep this recap brief because, well, for this episode, for instance, we will be playing our on-site interview with executive producer Daniel Stahl. And then Friday, July 19th, which was the Friday before this episode was published, you should have already seen a video montage of all of the art department stuff, as well as a supplemental audio release of our interview with Al Rivera. And there's much more to come, I can assure you. So first, I want to say how excited I was. First, to meet up with you guys again, I was about an hour north. And I know, James, you had a much longer drive, but it was my first time in San Francisco. And knowing that I would be in the San Francisco area, I had to try to get to Cryptic Studio. So I'm so grateful that we were able to work this out. I'm so grateful that I was able to see you guys. It was really exciting. I mean, I'm so, I was so jealous that you guys were able to go last year and I wasn't able to make it. But this year totally made up for that. It was fantastic. But we started off with meeting Al Rivera at the entrance of Cryptic Studios. And Al, thank you so very, very much for your hospitality, for being the host of our little trip here. You know, I know everybody's busy over there working hard at producing a fantastic game. And I'm so very grateful that you took the day off to walk us around the campus and and introduce us to everybody. So first off, thank you so very much for that. But our first interview was actually with Al Rivera. And that was really fun to sit down with uh, Titanium Mass himself in the flesh and ask him several questions that we had of our own and and of the community. And of course, hopefully you will have heard that already in the supplemental log that was released this last Friday, July 19th. After that, we met with Charles Gray, who is now the lead content designer for Star Trek Online. And that was a very fun interview. We sat with him for about 45 minutes to discuss the coming content to the game. So be sure to stay tuned for that. That will probably be released this coming Wednesday, Wednesday, July 24th. Was there anything you guys can remember from that interview as a sneak peek about the coming content? There's a ton of good stuff. I don't know if we should spoil it all. There's Season 8, which will be coming before the end of the year. We'll put that out, okay? They teased the next expansion of the game. Yes, I said expansion. You heard me correctly. And I asked specifically if expansion meant another faction or not. And they said that it would be another faction and or some other type of large release that would require an expansion type thing. Hence, maybe territory control, fleet admiral caps, some things like that. But anyway, we'll let you listen to the specifics when we get on. But there is, yeah, there's a ton of good stuff in there. Tons. Oh, tons. After we met with Charles Gray, we actually got into the sound booth. Oh, man, that was awesome. That was so awesome. So you captains will hear our voices in-game in an upcoming something. She said that it was either going to be for the upcoming... Oh, here's another tease, okay? It's either for the upcoming Season 8 or the um, featured episode that's coming. So, yes, there's a featured episode coming, too. There's another teaser. We have so many things. Like, I, I feel like we're spoiling it all right now. And then after we did art, we met with executive producer Daniel Stahl. So uh, why don't we go ahead and move forward into that interview. But before we do, let's just review a few of the publication dates. So if you haven't already, be sure to download our on-site interview with lead designer Al Rivera, which was released on July 19th. If you follow us with feeds.priority1podcast.com, you will have not missed it. Also, Tony has put together an amazing video montage of all the cool art and UI that we got to see during our visit at Cryptic Studio. So head on over to our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash STO Priority One, and check out all the amazing goodies, including the animation for the new Romulan Vet reward ship and a fully tiered Dilithium mine. 
plus much, much more. So, Captains, we will be releasing more and more content from our visit with Cryptic over the next few days. Be sure to subscribe via feeds.priorityonepodcast.com and don't miss a beat. All right, without further ado, we bring you our on-site interview with executive producer Daniel Stahl. Security clearance level three or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Sisko. Authorization Sisko Alpha One Alpha. Logs accessed. So our final, our final interview here is executive producer Daniel Stahl. Thank you very much for spending some time with us here uh, and answering some community questions. Sure, of course. Now, before we get started, um, I the last time you were on our show, you experienced the psychic abilities of Tony. And although he's not here, <laughs> although he's not here, we're going to try to try to channel that at least for okay. one question. For okay. one question. All right. So, so James, you'll ask the question, and I will act as the as the medium as a medium to Tony's response, and we'll see what happens here. Okay. Why is there not a regular blank exchange mail system? on most ships, or at least an option to get one somehow. Okay, all right, here we go. Um, um, all right, Tony, Tony believes that Dan's answer will be one of our design goals in Star Trek Online is to necessitate the occasional visit to a social zone to see and potentially interact with other players. We allow rare exceptions to this design choice in the case of trade-focused ships like the Tuffley Freighter and the Ferengi Decora. Dan, what do you, do you agree? Um, it's, it's, that would have been my answer a while back. I think that that is originally the design was we wanted you to visit star bases and there were specific features that were, we said only should exist in these zones. But, um, as, as the game matures and as more things get added, like the, you know, now it's the Suleiman ship, right? Uh, cell ship. Um, we're relaxing a lot of those restrictions. Like, for example, one of the restrictions was, uh, you have to be at, uh, at a crafting station or a craft, um, we're seriously, you know, that's one of the things that I think you should be able to do anywhere. Um, and so we're constantly changing rules like that. So this is probably one of those areas where, yes, there probably is a reason why it's that way now. Um, but we are trying to evolve the way, the way the game plays. And as we sort of look at those old decisions and go, ah, oh, it doesn't make sense anymore. Let's change it. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see us add things like mail from anywhere or exchange from anywhere, um, especially when we start looking at things like putting the exchange on Gateway, uh, where it you know you can do it anywhere, anytime, anyway. So why you know what does it matter if I'm in a starbase or not? Because I can just have my my iPad open and I can just be on the exchange no matter what sector or part of the game I'm at. I can be dual logged in and I can do that. Um, I don't actually know if you can be dual logged in on Gateway, but if you could, that would be one of the features I want. Uh, but yeah, that that again, that's that's a situation just to kind of illustrate that yes, an original design goal was you had to be in a social zone, but as as we're moving forward with things like the gateway stuff, um, we're going to be relax, you know, basically relaxing a lot of those restrictions because it just doesn't make sense anymore for the game. So, given that uh, there are ships and costumes covering 250 years of Star Trek future history, uh, will we ever see Stowe split up into separate servers for each era? Wow, we that's. So, for example, you would have like a shard one is is this time frame, shard two is this past time frame. Uh, one of the, I don't know if it's going to happen anytime soon, but one of the original pitches um, for the mirror universe was it actually was its own shard, 
not exactly the answer to your question, but to, to show you something we've thought about, we actually thought about having a mirror universe shard where you would log on and you could take your character and play it in the mirror universe and it would have a lot of the same stuff, but it would be the mirror universe version of everything. And so if we did multi sharding in the future, we would, we would use it for fun tricks like that, or we would just make it regional. So for example, we would say, yeah, there, here's the European shard or here's the Russian shard or wherever we want to go into in the future. Uh, but, but mostly that is just so that events take place in your current time zone. Right now we sort of, because we're on one shard, we have to shuffle our event times around a lot. And there's always somebody around the world that's going, I can't play during that time. I want to, <laughs> right. I want to, I want to play this event. And it's just, it's never friendly for everybody. So, um, those are, those, those are some interesting ideas. We've actually thought about, okay, if we were going to make another Star Trek game, um, we would probably set it in a different era because we'd want it to be different from Star Trek online. Uh, and so if we were to do a second Star Trek game, probably I don't know if it would be an MMO or not or if it would be something different, but we've actually thought about if we did something, we would want to set it so that players could play one game in, in this era and then they could play another game which is a completely different era. Right. Um, that way they, they would feel different. They, they would have different costumes, different uniforms, and, and just a different aesthetic to them and a different story for that for that matter um that'd be kind of fun yeah and i think i think that's what that guy was looking for is the fact like basically they want a, a tos star trek online a next generation star trek yeah. online and then a 20 2409 yeah. star trek online so so we we've certainly thought about that um you know i i'm not sure um what the next Star Trek game will be. There's been many, many Star Trek games uh, over the history of video gaming. So I'm not sure what the next, the very next Star Trek uh, game is going to be. Um, but if Cryptic were to make one, we would be seriously looking at what other era could we put it in uh, other than the 24-9 era so that we could do something different. So it wouldn't just feel like Star Trek Online 2, which I don't think anybody here wants to make. We want to just keep making Star Trek Online. Cool. Do you... Do you still have that yellow sticky note on your monitor from the April Ask Cryptic that says Itic Tribble? Uh, let's see. Do I still have it up there? Yes, it's still on my monitor, believe it or not. There's also the, um, there's another sticky note that I want to tell you guys about, which is kind of funny. Uh, it, actually, it's still there from where Craig put it on there. So with this, I'm actually in Craig's old office. Uh, so Craig, who was originally the executive producer on Star Trek Online, he had this sticky note that I left there and it always confuses me because it, it's, it's two lines and the, and the top line says, do not touch. And underneath that it says directors. Um, and when I look at it, it just says, do not touch directors. And I always get a little bit weirded out when I see that sticky note on my monitor. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> like was Craig reminding himself not to not touch not to the touch other, other I hope not. I hope that's not <laughs> But yes, the Edic Tribble post-it note, which is not quite as confusing, is 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 still there. We just had all these issues with the the Nukara Tribble, so my goodness, I hope we can get that Edic Tribble uh, put out there uh, again. Because it's been a while since since that promotion ran. All right, so we'll jump into some uh, community questions here. And the Green Dragoon One asks: In the last interview, you said that programmer time was being devoted to improving the Foundry, but since Legacy of Romulus said the tool's performance seems to have actually uh, taken a turn for for it's been buggy. Uh, can you give us some guidance on when we can expect better stability and upgraded features? Uh, so right now, that is all the the Foundry team. Our our software team has not even had a chance to look at it yet. Um, again, most of 
most of the foundry stuff that is happening right now is all the core code that is shared between the games. So, for example, all of the stuff that uh, is in Neverwinter, uh, the Neverwinter foundry, as well as our foundry, all being impacted by the same underlying issues. So, the foundry team at Proper, which does not sit on Star Trek Online's uh, org chart, is actually working on all those issues, and that software team is actually trying to sort those things. So once they get all those issues sorted out, and everyone can be happy again, uh, that's when my programmers on Star Trek Online can go in and start looking at the issues and start looking at what we can do to improve the, the Foundry in Star Trek Online. So I really do apologize for, for what's going on in the Foundry. I think it's got everybody a little bit frustrated uh, from Neverwinter to Star Trek. Um, I know a lot of it is a, you know probably related to scale and performance. Um, as well as just some of the, the changes that got made that sort of broke a few few things here and there. Mm -hmm. uh, but that, that is being worked on, and I see threads about it every day, but we're, we're just not... The Star Trek team's not actively part of those fixes. We're just sort of waiting for it to get fixed. So in episode 134, we aired an interview with Aaron Eisenberg. Okay. He discussed his active participation in the World of Warcraft community, and he said what was holding him back from playing Stowe was a lack of Mac support. Is there any plans to release Max and or Linux version of Stowe? Well, good question. I wonder what I'm allowed to say here. I think I'm, <laughs> I think I'm allowed to say that, yes, we want a Mac client to happen. Um, I don't think we've made any formal announcements about a Mac client. I've been talking about it. Um, it is something that is, uh, it, in my opinion, is going to happen. Um, I just don't think we've made any announcements as to when yet. Um, we would. We are actively working with uh, people who make uh, Mac clients, and uh, as soon as we have all the ducks in a row and have figured out exactly how it would work for Star Trek Online, we'll make an announcement and tell everybody when the Mac client's coming. Um, but I don't have I don't have any other information I can share about it other than that. But I'll tell you guys after afterwards online. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. As Neodit asks, will the old legacy emotes ever be returned to the sea store, or maybe some of the old pre-order gear like the red matter capacitor or the TR one one six rifle? So uh, some of that stuff is dead forever. The emotes, however, are things that uh, I think we're actually um, we have a little bit of animation time uh, right now, and so I think the animators have actually been looking at some of the emotes, trying to figure which ones we can actually put in there. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I know they were looking at a couple the other day, so I wouldn't be surprised to see some emotes come out in Season 8, which is going to be our next season uh, coming out later this year. Speaking about emotes, um, I have to beg, can we please keep the bear dance in? <laughs> oh, you timed that perfectly. He almost spit it up. <laughs> I had water in my mouth. In my so, a lot of people love this dance, and they don't know what it's called, and I recently found out the name of it and why, how it came about. I love that dance. It's the funnest thing in the world. <laughs> and everybody, everybody who sees me do it, they'll always ask me, what are you doing? What is that? So I found out, bear dance. Yes, can you please keep the bear dance? Or I don't, I don't um, know if you I, can give me a certain So, so I, um, I, I don't think I can officially confirm that this emote exists that you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if it did, um, I'm, I'm sure that I could uh, forget about it and, and not not worry about whether or not it's in or out of the game. So you can keep on typing whatever it is that you're typing that's making you do those funny moves, and uh, and no one will be the wiser. Okay. <laughs> All right, so Wolfpack NZ asks, the perfect event came up, but then 
No Risa Beachwear. Oh, I know. I want a swimsuit so bad. And they tease me. Those NPCs tease. So, yes, Rise of Swimwear. When is Rise of Swimwear happening? So, um, first of all, we knew this was going to be, um, if we do Rise of, we're going to have to do swimwear. Uh, we sort of look at the at the winter and the summer events as events that are going to continue to evolve. So, uh, we, we know we want to do swimwear, but we didn't want to, we didn't want to put out um, just the basics. Uh, because right now, and I think some of the threads online have actually spelled out exactly why this is technically challenging because the way our characters are skinned it is quite a bit of work uh there are certain species that are set up and ready to go but there's a lot of other species that aren't uh, and so we could have offered swimwear to a few species but that would have been very right. unfair to everyone else so we've sort of uh decided that we would withhold this year uh so that we can make sure that everybody gets swimwear at the same time uh, and so my hope is, is that next year when the summer event comes back around, we'll be able to have your full complement of swimwear for everybody, all species, uh, including the new species that we're going to be making. Sounds great. I'd like to see some hang gliding too and uh, some sandal wear. And what a fun we, we had all kinds Volleyball. of, so there were so many events and so many things that were planned for RISA that, again, because it's going to be around for, for now on, uh, we can continue to add the things. We had things like scuba scuba diving. We had uh, we had um, hang gliding, um, just a lot of a lot of really fun things that were like, oh, let's do this, let's yeah. do that. So we can totally do those things. And as we every year, we'll try and introduce something mm -hmm. new to do. Looking forward to seeing yeah. more of that for uh, for next year. Yeah, it'll I'm be excited. fun. Has anyone told you about what we're doing for a winter event yet? No, no, no please yet. tell us. Um, well, I'm not going to tell you that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, we know I it's going to be. Yeah, cool. and I'll tell us all about <laughs> it. Refresh my yeah, memory. Yeah. Um, I think I think the snowmen are going to be making a return, but there is going to be um, uh, there is going to be a new event. The snowmen are, are, I think, going to be attacking one of the colonies, and there's actually going to be a cute event, uh, which is going to involve gingerbread houses and, <laughs> uh, or gingerbread men and gingerbread houses and snowmen, and cues involved somehow. It sounds fantastic. So cool. I, can't, I, can't <laughs> I can't wait. wait. I, can't I can't wait to wait. see what they come up with there. Sounds it sounds very winterly fun. It'll, it'll be cool but that's just an example we're going to continue to make our our sort of our seasonal events uh, fun and i'm actually uh, meeting with the european office uh this week to talk about other types of events we can do that are more globally uh, appreciated other than our sort of north america centric events uh, just looking at what we can do i wanted to find out uh what inspired the tal shiar or the romulan storyline why also keep players from choosing tal shiar and um i yeah. guess just how how did that whole storyline come about well, um, it, there was a, a year's worth of arguments about all of that <laughs> that took mm -hmm. place. Um, but a lot of it had to do with um, looking at the the game from a faction perspective of, of, at the time, you know, we had Federation, most of our players are Federation players. Some of our players were Klingon, not, not many, um, a percentage. Um, I think at its height, I think we're looking at maybe 25% of our players um, had played Klingon at some point. So we were very worried that if if we were to build a a faction that was not able to ally with the other factions, like for example, if they were just 
at war with the Federation and at war with the Klingons, much like the uh, Klingons and Feds were, that we would basically just be remaking the Klingons. Mm -hmm. and, and that had not proved to be super successful, uh, simply because um, you're segmenting your community into yet a third, a third segment that can't talk or play with the other, other segments. Right. And so we didn't want to keep slicing the pie so that people had to be in their own corners as much. And so when we made the Romulan faction the way we did, we, we looked at ways as how can we keep everybody together? How can we keep people still playing together and, and not have people sort of go to their own quadrant of the galaxy and sort of stay there? Uh, we wanted to, to basically figure out what would make sense from that perspective. And those sort of business reasons really informed what story we needed to tell. And so if we were to make the Tal Shiar Romulan faction, they very much would have been at war with the other factions, and it wouldn't make any sense for them to ever uh, go to Earth Space Dock or ever uh, go to Konos. And, and in that matter, they would, you know, they would have to be at their own quadrant of the galaxy and it wouldn't make sense for them to necessarily be helping deep space nine and and all the other featured episodes we it we didn't really want to go that route we could have but we we just yeah it, it would it would have been problematic uh and so we chose to go with the with the romulan republic mostly because we were happy with the way that new romulus turned out and and happy with the way that Detan as a character sort of came about um because we were looking for a way to take what had happened to the Romulan, you know, the Romulan people when the destruction of Romulus happened. You know, you've got all this political turmoil. You've got Sela, who is sort of uh, Sela and Taris, sort of this power struggle for who's controlling the Romulan people. They sort of, you know, through the path of twenty four oh nine, had all these issues, and there was all this back and forth between who was in control. Um, and so we needed something that would sort of allow the people, the civilians, the, 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 you know, people who are Romulans to sort of express how they felt about all this, right? Because if we were to just make robots that followed the Empress and they all sort of had a built-in dogma or a built-in sort of alignment, um, then it's, it's not as dimensional as us allowing people to say, well, this is what my Romulan, if I were a Romulan, this is what I think would be happening. And so we felt it was more expressive to allow people to say, this is how I want to play a Romulan. And so if you want to, if you want to play a hardcore Romulan Tal Shiar agent, I think you can sort of role play that in the game and you can find a way to make that make sense. But if you want to say, hey, I don't like any of the way this has gone. I, I kind of want to return to the old ways. I want to be the, the Romulans from you know, balance of terror, you can sort of find your way through the Romulan Republic to, to sort of be that, be that agent of, of the Romulan Empire. So, so when it came to, uh, how we put it all together, that's, that's really in a nutshell, sort of the, the deciding factors that pushed us in that direction. In terms of how we actually did it, uh, a lot of it, or, or came up with the story, a lot of it was just looking at, um, the path of 2409, looking at sort of the events from, from different episodes, you know, obviously Taurus and Sela had a lot to do with that, the Iconian. We, a lot of our Romulan stuff is really informed by um, the sort of Iconian connection to the Romulans uh, and, and how they were sort of looking at uh, 
had found the planet Iconia in, in that one episode. Uh, and we sort of riffed a lot on that, both in the in the path and, and in our, our Romulan content. We think it turned out okay, and we, we feel like uh, now that we can move forward, there is a third faction, and they do have a different viewpoint, and it will they have an interesting story, and it'll be interesting to see what we do with them as we move forward, because we do want to continue telling the stories of these of these three factions. As our first expansion, it was certainly a, a big learning experience for us in terms of what what it took from the team in order to make all of that content and what worked, you know, now, now that we're sort of seeing people play it, uh, we're getting a better idea of what worked, what didn't work. Uh, and so if, as we start thinking about doing another expansion in the future, um, we have really good ideas about what we want to do next and how we want to approach it. Um, and how we would improve upon what we did with Legacy of Rodnos. And, and honestly, that's, that's kind of the story of the team. I think the team's always looking for ways to, to move the bar and, and say, you know, how can we grow the game and how can we make Star Trek Online even better? So as we look forward to that next expansion, um, I think we'll be, we'll be, we're pretty excited about what we're going to be doing. I was curious on the multiple account side of things. Um, there's, there's a lot of people asking, can we have, uh, accolades apply like really hard to get accolades especially apply to like across the boards so we don't do it with every single character or even something like with a special event uh, maybe we could get a discount um, once we've purchased something once for the other characters any any thoughts on that side of things multiple accounts to share nothing nothing specific to um to any changes that we're making i can't i, I don't have any details and uh, we're not planning to make any changes to account bound or, or account bound accolades but one of the things that we are doing that's similar to what you're talking about is we're taking a look at the reputation system and and really taking a good hard look at, at how the reputation systems are working now and saying how could they be better and we're looking at a lot of the feedback and we're looking at a lot of the things that's kind of what made me think about it is, is the reputation like yeah. having to do the reputation on all your characters um, yeah. Yeah. we've been looking at things like that and trying to change our internal design philosophy about what the reputation system is so that it's more player friendly and and more i really i really think that the reputation system needs to feel more like a uh, rewards program rather than a a i need to go do all these things and i have to work really hard it feels more it feels a lot like work it's right? a grind it's a grind system yeah it feels it feels more like work and i want it to feel more like a reward right like it's more like i play star trek online so much that that i get all these cool rewards right and so i think uh that's the philosophical change that i'm i'm hoping that we can slowly grow the reputation system into as as we reduce as we introduce reputations you should feel like I'm continuing to play Star Trek Online and they just introduced this really cool new rewards program that because I'm playing so much and because I've been a longtime player, here's all the cool new things that I'll be able to get. Um, kind of, kind of like almost, almost the philosophy of the veteran reward system, right? Like if you're, if you're a longtime subscriber, yeah. uh, you get these veteran rewards. Well, how can we apply some of those principles to the reputation systems and make it friendlier for, for all accounts so that you really feel like um, you want to keep playing because the more you keep playing, the, the cooler stuff you get. And, and it doesn't feel like we're forcing you to work so hard mm -hmm. to get those things. Because honestly, the fact that you're playing and the fact that you're in-game is, is really all that matters uh, in, in many, many respects. So we would rather appreciate that and appreciate the fact that you're continuing to play Star Trek Online uh, and, and say, here's some, here's some great stuff. So hopefully the reputation that's coming out uh, in Season 8 will have our first sort of step in that direction. 
and I don't know how far of a step it is, but I, I think uh, Al Gecko is is uh, taking it to heart and is really going to be working towards changing, uh, slowly changing the way our reputation systems work. And if we can then carry that philosophy on to all the account bound stuff, I think yeah. that that's, that'll eventually get us to where everybody sort of wants it to be. Oh, thank you. For yeah. sure. <laughs> well, that wraps up with the uh, community questions. Let's, uh, let's open it up to you. What can you tell us? What's on, what's on your whiteboard? You know, we do, we do have the team working on our next big update. It's going to be season eight. Uh, and that's coming out later this year. Uh, that season is really going to be focused on Endgame. And what I mean by that is, is really looking at um, who's next, right? Like you've fought the Borg, you fought the Undine. Uh, who's, who's sort of next up on the, uh, on the agenda? And where do we want to go next with the game? Mm -hmm. And so as you're flying around all these massive starships and as you're becoming an admiral, um, what, are, what are ways that we can make you feel like an admiral and feel like you're going into... Uh, sort of that uncharted space and fighting things that are that are sort of at the fringe of your capabilities and and what's a new environment that we could do that would be really really awesome mm. and so we've uh we've come up with something pretty phenomenal i can't tell you all the details about what it is but we um we're going to be releasing an update later this year that's going to have um our first space adventure zone uh or zones i should say and so think of Think of kind of what we did with New Romulus and how would we how would we sort of translate that to um, sector space? Mm -hmm. How would we how would we make sort of an exploration-y kind of uh, zone where you're flying around your starship and you're actually having to deal with um, things on a sector scale? Uh, so those are some of the things that we're going to be dealing with. Uh, we have a great new enemy. Uh, it, it's it's something. Um, I'll, the, the clue I'll give you is it's an enemy featured in the Voyager series. Uh, that you're going to be dealing with. Um, and so that enemy is going to be the big baddies in season eight. And they're sort of a um, stepping stone to the, the even bigger enemies that are going to be coming uh, in the second expansion and uh, towards, you know, as we get closer and closer to actually coming face to face with the Iconians. So. I think I saw a little ship on the edge of your desk that might have something to do with that possible next enemy. I don't know. Uh, no, no, no. I don't think See, so. You you fell for the old Star Trek <laughs> 2. Ship was on the desk. I'm not Kirk. I noticed. No. <laughs> the ship you're referring to, so I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and shoot that rumor down. It's not the Kazon, oh. uh, but uh, it is it, it is some uh, a species that was uh, featured in Voyager. And... Um, we're just going to do something awesome with it. One of the other things that we're going to be doing that um, a first for us is we're going to be doing something that I'm calling sort of a battle, a PVE battle battleground. So think of um, think of some of our five man uh, or fleet action ground maps, and how would we make a persistent map that is more objective based? So being able to take uh, take territory, take objectives, take towers, fight bosses. Um, all things that sort of have a strategy to how this zone works, uh, and actually have it be a battleground. Like, like you're at, you're, you're actively fighting this enemy group to take this territory. Uh, that's one of the things that we're going to be looking at, um, uh, to do in the next season. And it's going to be one of the, the marquee pieces of content, uh, that we're, that we're trying to build right now. So, so, you know, things like how can we get ground vehicles into that? How can we get, 
Um, wow. Big, giant, uh, you know. Argos, maybe? Ar- Argos, who knows? Uh, uh, so, cool. so I, I can't promise that we're going to do Argos, but we're certainly looking at how can we build something big enough that we could do something like yeah. that. Wow. Like, how could we build a big enough zone so that you could actually have something that feels less like hand-to-hand phaser combat and more like, no, this is a, this is a war front. Like, there's a there's a ground battle going on wow. in this area. More dim- Dominion War feel. Yeah, yeah. M- more Dominion War feel, right. you know, more, you know, how would, are there tanks? Are there artillery? Are there, uh, you know, hovercraft flying around? I, I don't know. Like there's, there's been some really weird Star Trek games in the past, uh, that tried to go into like weird ground combat vehicles. I, I don't know if that's the route we're going, but, uh, we're certainly looking at, uh, what can we do to, to really represent a persistent zone where you feel like you can go in and affect the battle in some way, right? Like you, there's objectives that, that require you to, to, to either work alone and, and go do these specific objectives, but if you want to get a group of people together and go take on some of the harder objectives, um, you can do that. Something something that we tried to do in Nukara but didn't, say, didn't yeah. quite didn't quite pan out the way we thought, um, and so we're trying to figure out a way to do something. We think a lot of the the problem with Nukara is that the the, the footprint of the area is too small, and so you end up sort of stomping over each other a lot. And so we're trying to figure out something that's a little more. Uh, bigger uh, in terms of geographical areas so that you can actually have um, you know distance to travel to areas and, and distance to actually you know say you've got to fight through these areas in order to get to this next part um, so so looking at looking at the things that work on Nukara and especially on Defera and saying well, how can we how could we have made that better and how can we make it more interesting and more interactive so so that those are some of the big things between the you know the the space sector uh, really doing something that's just a complete think think along the lines of kind of what we did with fluidic space uh you know what's a completely new crazy environment that we could put your ship in and and make it feel very different than than what you've currently experienced uh in these massive starships we're really trying to do something cool there so that'll be happening and then what we're going to be doing is we're going to be releasing a featured episode that uh, in a couple months that acts as the prequel to that that update. So so we're going to be bridging the storyline and saying, okay, here's here's where the story ended at the end of Legacy of Romulus. This featured episode is going to kind of tell the 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 segue to the next update, and then the next update will have its information. And then after that, they'll probably be around the time of our four year anniversary. We'll be having another episode that will also set start continuing the story as to what's happening next. Uh, and so, uh, lots of stuff planned. We got lots of stuff coming coming down the road, and uh, we're pretty excited about what's going on. Well, I th- I think that's it. I mean, uh, you told us what was on your whiteboard, and what you're looking forward to is, uh, I mean, one last chance to tell us something spectacular, <laughs> which you already have. So I'm I'm satisfied. I am satisfied. Yeah, good, good. I can't share any anything else. Cool. Uh, I think uh, you know, season eight's coming. More episodes coming. Uh, you know, we certainly are going to be making some changes to reputations and, and for that matter, the fleet system as well. Um, and, and really trying to just thank players for, for continuing to choose Star Trek Online. The game is continuing to grow, uh, which just is, is awesome. Uh, we, I smile about it every day. It's, it's not every MMO out there gets to come to work and see more players playing the day than the day before. And, and we're really happy that, that people are continuing to play Star Trek Online. And honestly, uh, just happy that we're here to talk about it. So, yeah. so thanks for coming so and asking us questions. Yeah. So are we? We're happy to hear talk about it too. All right, Dan. Well, thank you again so much for your time. I very much appreciate awesome. it. Thank you for letting us uh, invade Cryptic Studios uh, today. It was a, a real treat, really, honestly. It was a lot of fun. 
The cool, Jersey boy coming out here. It was uh, real fun. Real fun to end the trip. Real, real good way to end the trip. Well, good. Now I'm going to have you go back and sign my Elios. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See? We are getting to know each other. I have to put out a correction, okay, or Al will kill me, okay? So we talked about the Scimitar last week. And I was a little disappointed with the Thetaron Blast. I really didn't think it was that great. Okay, so like Al like constantly like was like the whole time, oh no, James doesn't like the, the Thetaron Blast. So, okay, so he had the guys there at Cryptic show me how to spec a scimitar so to show you like the total damage that it, it's possible to set the thing up to do. And it is tremendous. I seriously like into the hundreds of thousands. I mean, it's you can spec that thing up by nailing your particle generators, a couple consoles, everything aux, you know, dumping aux battery. I mean, okay, you can really turn that thing into an annihilator, okay? I admit it, okay? There, correction made, Al, I don't need any more dirty emails, okay? It's cool. However, you're going to be giving up pretty much everything else to do that. So that's that's your balance factor, okay? Is if you spec everything to make it into a one-punch machine, you're pretty much flying around a little tiny piece of glass ship that can be sneezed on and blown up. But it is possible. There, there, I said it. Coming to us from the Star Trek Online Forum. Uh, actually, unfortunately, we didn't post a show thread last week, but we want to give a big shout-out and thank you to everyone who submitted questions for the devs during our visit to Cryptic Studios. So you'll have to listen to all of our interviews to find out if we asked your question. Mm, we've got some feedback from Priority One website from Deeks2K4. Does another great episode, guys. Believe the English accents to the pros. Well, you guys do it. You guys, you guys, guys got to stop doing horrible English accents. I gotta say, because like they're calling you no, out. On no it. fair. No fair. You guys are actually English. That's cheating. Okay. <laughs> Our next piece comes from Sean Newboys. He says, it's never semi. It's scimitar. Even more appropriately, more awesome warship created for total annihilation of enemies known as the scimitar. Okay. You heard my you heard my retraction by now, okay? Okay, they, they, they showed me. It's awesome, okay? <laughs> Woody Valley writes in, maybe there should be an Aussie invasion of Priority One. I doubt you would have thrown Tim Tams overboard. Good show all around. Thanos Skyrat. I think I'm pronouncing it right. So Thanos Skyrat says, Here, here, Tim Tams are the bomb. <laughs> the Thaleron weapon uses ox power. Most people have low ox power, so that's why it's also better when shields are low or gone on the target. So we're wow. jumping to Facebook now. That's right, we're doing some Facebook. Booking face now here. This comes in from uh, Richard Grant, who says, Crafting and other games have end-game purposes. In WoW, you have flasks, meals, gems, and extra gem lots. Swartor, you have something similar. And thanks to everyone who commented on our leaks of classified encrypted Romulan Shipnar transmissions. Check out YouTube for a full report. There was also so. an explanation as to why like, some of those classified encrypted uh, ship picks were spelled wrong. And it's just because, you know, when you're trying to encrypt something, sometimes you don't get the, uh, the, the right order right away. So it took us a few tries. <laughs> so coming to us via Twitter, congratulations to at Namorose2013, who will be getting married on the bridge of the Enterprise D yeah. at Space City Con in Houston. So congratulations at Namorose2013. Thank you all to our new Twitter followers and everyone who continues to retweet all of our awesome news. We got some feedback from email from Azurian Star, formerly known as Azurian. 
says, compliments on the interview with Aaron Eisenberg. Be interesting if we will someday get Captain Nog in the game as more than a footnote in Stowe history. Also, I think the availability of ultraviolet quality items in the fleet system kills any future crafting revamp before it could get on its feet. Because who needs purple Mark 12 science consoles when you can get the embassy science consoles? We want to hear from each and every one of you. Do you have an idea for the show? Did we talk about something that got you thinking? Well, send it over to us via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com or catch us on Facebook, Twitter, or the Star Trek Online forums. Don't forget to answer this week's community questions that we posed. Do you have a do-it-yourself Star Trek project that you've been working on? And the second one was, how did you hear about Priority One? How long have you been listening? Tell us about yourself in the comments section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com or again on the Stowe forums. Well, that wraps up episode 136, recorded live on trekradio.net. Remember that we're on air every Thursday night at 8.30 Eastern, 5.30 Pacific. Having a live audience is fantastic. And we appreciate you joining us every week. Thank you. Captain's got something to say? Join our team as a guest blogger on PriorityOnePodcast.com. If you have other skills that you believe could enhance our content, reach out to us via email at incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. As you know, we love hearing from you, our loyal listeners. If you have a suggestion, an idea, or a topic for our Trek It Out or Field Notes segment, or you have general feedback for the show, you can reach us with our online form on the Priority One website or via email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. You can also catch us on our social networking sites, Facebook or Twitter. And fleet member or not, you can always chat with the team by joining our in-game chat channel in your Star Trek Online chat box, just type forward slash channel underscore join space priority one. Captains, we want you to send in your quick tips and hints for our new segment, 60 Second Strategies. What do you do that helps your gameplay in stow? Want to get up to the minute news from Priority One Podcast? Try visiting our social media websites. Head on over to facebook.com slash priority one podcast and say hey or give us some news or give us some feedback. Check us out on Twitter also, at StowPriority1 for showtimes and other cool stuff. All right, Captains. Priority One is brought to us by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please visit PriorityOnePodcast.com and find out how you can help support the show. Also, don't forget to visit our Indiegogo page with only a few days left on the clock. Help us bring the bridge of the Enterprise-D to Star Trek Las Vegas this August. There's plenty in it for you. Go to www.indiegogo.com and run a search for Enterprise. A very special thanks to the entire team over at Cryptic Studios and to Al Rivera for hosting our visit. Thanks to the entire team over at PriorityOnePodcast.com, our art director, Alex Calderwood, our audio engineer and web developer, Lennon Rich, Justin Lomaster, our audio assistant, and the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Special thanks to our sponsor, Sayulita.com, our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio, and of course, the Stowe community. Because without you, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage.
Transfer complete. SpongebobSquarespace.com If you listen to this podcast, then you're probably a fan of Star Trek Online and the greater Star Trek franchise. And like you, we were once fans too. Wait, we're not anymore? Who wrote this? Anyway, for a little hard work and elbow <laughs> I don't, abuse, I don't, I don't, I don't listen to this crap. Big. Who wrote, who wrote this? <laughs> <laughs> but we're not the only ones. In a very special guest blog, Midnight Shadow wait, 7, wait, wait, the go man back, behind back, go back. podcast Twitter No, feed. go back, go back, go no, back. No, I don't want to go back. <laughs> and like you, we, uh, oh, yes. we were once No, listeners. don't try to fix it in post. It's got to be. No, no. Go, go. No, it go was back good. If you listen. <laughs> I, I think you had it right. I mean, I don't listen to this. This we is total were once garbage. We fans, too, until we became Priority One hosts. And then we, and were then like, we hate Star Trek. We're too good for that. So head on over to Strek. To Strek. <laughs> All right, in this recent Star Trek Online update to the game, a new UI element has been introduced for captains that fly carriers. It will a display... It will a display, uh, It will a display uh, dis, a hangar crafts uh, currently uh, active from the bay. Some spaghetti. Like hey, me, what's the matter you? It's a me, oh. a Mario. Adrienne, I've, I've never found... Fly... Uh, fly I've never flied a carrier. I've never flied. Never flewed. You never I flewed. have never flewed. I never flown. I have not flown a carrier, so I. Uh, Ooh, I, have. I, I, I are like you looking carriers. forward to these changes? I am. I, I really rephrase, like it. I mean, the more. Let me rephrase these questions because it's going to be yeah. horrible because I clearly didn't speak yeah. English. And there's much, much more to come in the coming days. There's much, much more to come. Yes. In the following days. <laughs> I don't know how to phrase that. <laughs> And available for download on PriorityOnePodcast.com the following Monday. I'm Elijah. I don't know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the host uh, of the podcast. Great, great. Okay. Yeah, so you wear makeup on the but, weekends very well, James. Thank you. You <laughs> should All right, see so the move on. garments. I don't want to. All right, moving on. Speaking of our cryptic trip... Oh, speaking of <laughs> our cryptic trip... Crypt- speaking of I tripping crypt- on cryptic... <laughs> Crypt to triptych. Crypt to triptych. Okay. Captains, we are fast approaching the zero hour. Everyone who has followed or watched or even heard about our crowd. <laughs> wow. Sorry. I thought that said something else for a minute. <laughs> something really bad. <clears throat> okay. I thought you were pulling a prank on me. I can see what it says now. <clears throat> Everyone who has followed or watched. God damn it. Funding. I know what it says now. I know what it says now. But you got to understand what it looked like at a flash, okay? And it's followed by a K. Okay, do you see the next word is nose? Okay, put it together with your eyes and you can see. Okay, all right. Thank you very much. I thought he was was getting confused by big deadline. I was like, I don't get it. No, 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 no. Oh, my God. All right. We like the cosplay and the convention. As we mentioned earlier, you can listen to us live on Trek Radio. Yes, you can. (laughs) Huh. Dual band means that the router can both simultaneously send out a G and multi-frequency signal. So G and N. So therefore, partially what you're saying is right. Where that the, if somebody with a G uh, device will not throttle the entire network to G. Somebody with an N device will still be able to be on N. 
Okay, is that not what I just said in human terms? Thank you, Data. No. Is that no. not a Data no. moment? No. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Data. Com Lieutenant Commander Data, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it reminds me of this episode I just watched where he's like, there's multi-combustional, uh, urgent fires, and, and, and Wesley looks at him and goes, campfires, Data. Campfires. And he goes, isn't that what I just said? Thank you very much, dude. You are such a mandroid. <laughs> that was an awesome moment, dude. That was that was the true mandroid coming out. Like I try to put something in the simplest terms for people, and out comes data. 